0: Hey, caffeinators! Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe.
1: Caffeinators, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, where you can always bring your pets to work free of charge. Uh, <laughs> kids, though, uh, do require a boarding fee. Um, and and if you hear my toddler screaming in the background, she did pay for for boarding today.
0: Sure, she did. Sure, she did. <laughs> uh,
1: we'd like to thank all of you, Caffeinators, for your continued support of our podcast here and, and everything that we're doing, into to our Patreons. We've had a few new jump on lately, so thank you very much for the support. Uh, if you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe, head over to vettechcafe.com. You can find all the email about Dave, excuse me, all the info about Dave and I, why we do this podcast, who we are. If you have ideas for future episodes, uh, you can email us at uh, vettechcafe at com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where our taproom episodes are posted. So definitely uh, follow us. The only
0: thing along. we don't have is TikTok because we're right. old. We,
1: yeah, we don't we don't do the TikTok tock and, and we don't do the tweeting, which I guess isn't even Twitter anymore. Yeah, um, we, I think it's just X. But uh, yeah, we don't we don't do that either. So anyway, but follow along. We're glad you're here, Dave. Uh, I know I know we just talked a couple hours ago for another episode, but how's it out in North Carolina now?
0: Uh, it's great. The weather has not changed, uh, mostly because I haven't been outside. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but but things are good here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ready to get involved in this one. This this yeah. is one that we've been talking about for a while. And yeah. uh, uh, this is another, I guess, pseudo-recommended to us. Uh, yeah. Robin recommended her to, to, to us because she knows her. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for this one.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think Doctor Rourke said something about her as oh, well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 super excited. So let's just go ahead and jump in here. So we have Adrian Cruiser coming by the Vet Tech Cafe today. She started in veterinary medicine in two thousand four, um, working both clinical and non clinical sides. She's credentialed in Ohio, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Um, has written for various pet and vet publications over her fourteen years in the or for over fourteen years. She regularly lectures at veterinary conferences and colleges across the country and currently works uh, as a veterinary nursing program manager for VEG. Um, she also volunteers her free time uh, as a board member and a district representative for the South Carolina Association of Veterinary Technicians. I think, Dave, maybe we also got a recommendation for her from Melissa from and Trekkis when she yeah. was on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Highly Adrian, recommended. Yes, highly <laughs> highly recommended by multiple people. Um, and she also uh, represents a profession on social media as Vet Tech Without Scrub we're going to talk about that too. So, Adrian, thank you so much for coming by and taking some time out. Uh, it sounds like you're you're quite busy. Um what would can what can we get you for a cup of coffee?
2: Well, thanks for having me. I will take a vanilla latte, please.
3: All
1: right. All right, done and done. Um <laughs> if you don't mind, um take us through your career path. I know I mentioned some things there, but kind of what got you into VetMed, some stops along the way and what you're doing now.
2: Sure. Uh Oi! Seems like a long time ago, but um, <laughs> I guess maybe I shouldn't say that to you guys. I think I'm younger than both of you, so
1: <laughs> you, you don't. But, have well, you know, still, still, still a vintage vet tech.
2: It, yeah. Is that a dig? Okay, um, <laughs> you're more experienced than me. How about that? Sure. All right. There we go. There we go. Uh, all right. Uh, back in the day I was working in a pet store. That was my first experience working with animals. So I'm taking you way back here yeah. when the world was black and white still. And <laughs> uh, I worked with all the little critters. This was a pet store that sold everything from puppies and kittens to birds and reptiles and such. I found my husband in a pet store. And I found my future what aisle career was path. that on? <laughs> he was the cutest one in the window, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, the rest is history there with that. Um, but I got to know some of the veterinarians that came into the pet store to take care of the puppies. Obviously, pet store puppies are not <laughs> the healthiest little critters um again that was a lifetime ago would never have taken that job now but anywho one thing led to another i was very passionate about working with the exotics and hopefully zoo animals at the time i blame lisa frank's neon dolphin uh things, stickers, folders, what have you, on, on being enamored with wildlife. But I started volunteering at the animal hospital and shadowing that the doctor that visited the pet store had come to. Decided, I started talking to some of the technicians, started doing some research there, not realizing that veterinary technology was a career. And really, one thing led to another. And I went to tech school after a two-year wait list. Got my prerequisites. Um, this was apparently, you know, the best school in Ohio at the time, and that's something I, I like to always remind myself of. It's, you know, something I chose to do. I had to wait to get in. I needed the right grades and interview process, just like a lot of vet schools require. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people forget that. But from there, obviously, I graduated and got my credentials after passing the VTNE. Ohio didn't have a state exam. Long story short, eventually ended up working with dogs, cats, a lot of exotics for several years. Worked to the highest potential, I think, of my degree, my credentialing in the state, and pursued my VTS and exotics even at that point. I was not accepted, was not allowed to sit for the board exam due to not working with a specialist and a variety of different things. So that really kind of broke my spirit after feeling like I hit that proverbial glass ceiling and uh, didn't know where else to go. At that time, I had no mentorship, no real guidance from senior vet techs. You know, I was a senior vet tech at my clinic. And if anything, I had encouraged others to get credentialed at that point. So it was all kind of on my own and was really burned out and experiencing compassion fatigue at that point, tried to get into, you know, zoo medicine, but I morbidly joke that you either have to wait for someone to die or retire to get a job at the local zoo. That's (laughs) basically,
3: yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, And uh, started doing some wildlife rehab with raptors. I volunteered at a raptor center for several years. At that point, I, began doing a lot of writing, and began speaking for our local ferret rescue organization. That's, that was my first talk, was on ferret food and ferret vaccines at a, a ferret convention. And, uh, wow. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what kicked off that other side of, I guess, teaching or exploring other avenues in the veterinary world. And feeling like I just needed some place to expand my knowledge, my career path. Um, Eventually, my husband and I decided to move south, where we're at now in South Carolina. And I worked in Charlotte for a couple years doing training, management. And I still was feeling burned out found my job working at a pet supplement company, worked for Nutramax for several years, doing technical services. And that's where I started the whole campus world. Um, so don't worry, I ha- I'm, I'm bringing this full circle. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> all good. It's all good. Coming vet back, tech right? <laughs> without scrubs at that point, because I was feeling very disconnected from the rest of the veterinary technology community. Because everyone at that point in my life only new vet techs as those working clinically, wearing scrubs. So I started Vet Tech Without Scrubs and that's been a fun outlet for me to help teach people about different career options and show them what a day in the life of a non-clinical vet tech is. And uh, from my experiences expanding my speaking and writing at Nutramax and getting involved with the schools, I was referred to Veg by a previous colleague who um, now is a medical director at Veg. And she wanted me to get into management. I was still burned out clinically, said no. Eventually, I said, all right, fine, I'll just talk to them because I saw what was happening in the industry with what they were doing. And I eventually saw my current job posted. And I applied. And, well, the rest is history there. And now I'm... <laughs> With Veg as the Veterinary Nursing Program Manager, it's been two years and I got to create our vet tech student externships and all of our campus outreach programs. So I manage our campus partners, campus ambassadors, externs, our mentors, and really get to work with students in schools every day, as well as our frontline team who help these students. Because my passion from Going all the way back to the beginning is really making sure that nobody has the same type of uh, lost, forlorn type of mentality that I felt, not feeling Mm -hmm. like there was any direction to go, no growth opportunity, no mentorship. And getting your VTS is not the only career option you have. And through my experiences now getting to work with the students and, and the teachers, I'm able to fulfill that passion of just helping the next generation. And that's where we're at.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: I, I I resonate a lot with that, or, or I I feel that with you. The 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 I am not on the on clinically on the floor as much as I used to be, and I I do feel that that disconnect where I feel like I'm not a part of the community as much as I used to be. Um, so I I do I do feel that uh sensation of like, what am I doing here? Am I am I still a tech? am, am I am I still valuable in this field? Because um, I am doing a lot of education and training and, and you know, I, Recover is one of the things I love doing and um, in, in speaking as well. But uh, f- hearing you say that kind of resonates with me and, and kind of I'm at the same spot where, where you were. And I think, you know, the, the thing that you mentioned here is that is the, giving back to the people that are going to be in the same spot that you're in where you feel burned out, you feel compassion fatigue. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that of of like going into the campuses and and how that works.
2: Sure. Right now I get to work with pretty much all the schools around the country. So as I'm growing the programs at VEG, we're decentralizing things, as we say, and utilizing our, our local teams more, which they love. And I love to give them that opportunity. But when I'm going into the schools, I'm talking about a variety of topics relating to emergency medicine, since that's what VEG does. But oftentimes, the most popular topics are discussions surrounding career options or my pathway within vet med. And I'm always focusing on I want the students to find the right career path for themselves. Maybe that'll change over time too. So here's your options, but mm-hmm. explore these different options. If emergency is where you want to go then, you know, hopefully maybe veg is where they want to be, but if not, here's all your other options and the things to think about. So I touch on everything from finances to uh work-life harmony, things to consider, benefits, you know, compensation package what have you. So it really depends on what the teachers are looking for, having a guest speaker on. Mm-hmm. And I try to provide them with whatever they're looking for. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably circle back to that. But first, I want to ask you, where do you see the state of the veterinary pro- technician profession right now? Like, what are things that we are doing right? What are things we could be doing better? Uh, g- give us your, your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, you've probably heard it before, but I think it's in a very transitional period. It's Mm -hmm. an exciting time. I tell the students often, I think they're entering the field at an amazing time. The ball's definitely in their court, and there's some exciting things happening on the, the forefront of scope of practice and regulation changes, title protection in various states. And there's just a lot of discussion. So I see things heading in a better direction than we've been in, I think, for the last 10 years. And that might be slower progress than any of us want. But yeah. I think it's heading in in a better direction. I don't know if it's the right direction. I think we have to still figure out what exactly is right for our growing industry. But we're, we're getting there. We're taking a stride.
0: Yeah. And things take, take a while. And, you know, people of, of our Age, Adrian. I'm going to lump you into our age group. <laughs> sorry, um, oh, sorry, no. sorry, temporarily. But we are we are accustomed to things taking time. Whereas I think the newer generation, uh, and this is my old man get off my lawn <laughs> moment of, we want everything to happen yesterday. Um, instant gratification. Instant gratification. Like we we've got we've got our cell phones that give us instant information. Um, and. and there's a comedian that I, that I, that I listened to a lot who talked about how knowing things is kind of meaningless now, because you would wake up one day and say, where's Tom Petty from? And you just wouldn't know until you met somebody that knew where he was from. And now you can just look at your phone and say, yeah, you can just look at your phone and say, Oh, he's from Florida. Oh, okay. Um,
2: I am in your demographic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so we, we get to that point where we're in, the the profession itself is impatient. I think part of that is good because that it, that drives things forward and it makes it more urgent. Whereas Absolutely. people of, of, of our age group are like, well, things will happen eventually, and we we're waiting and we're waiting. But some of us are also getting impatient because we've been waiting for twenty years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's good and bad. That it is going to drive things forward, and and we do hear that a lot with with that answer is, is that we're kind of at that crossroads or uh jeff what was that what intersection Inter- mm-hmm. we're at an intersection um she was from the uk so i don't know if that was a uk uh, reference <laughs> or not um but i i feel like things are going to happen it's just things are going to take time and and we have to be patient i think
2: yeah one of the difficult things we have compared to human medicine right we're always compared to that is yeah the the difference in how we are I guess governed or controlled as a profession, right? Our our human counterparts, the RNs, have their own board. So mm-hmm. they aren't controlled and overseen, even in their daily jobs. The doctors aren't their bosses, quote unquote. Right. So it's very yeah. different and very frustrating for us to have to wait on veterinarians to make these decisions for us in a lot of respects. Yes, we have voices. We need to continue to talk and push things, but a lot of this transition in the waiting game is waiting on convincing veterinarians or right. waiting for them to come around to, to make these changes for us because we still are, at the end of the day, governed by them. It's the veterinary medical board. It's not yeah. the veterinary technology or veterinary nursing board. So that's, yeah. that's frustrating and interesting to see how that'll pan out. Will it be more similar to human medicine or will it stay this way? What's best? I don't know.
1: Yeah, and and they have they have I mean truly they have some of their own problems to be fixing and working on too. Like, uh, yeah, I think there needs to be some I don't know delineation there, or you know, I think that'd be a big part of it too. Is is a little bit more autonomy on our end, um, right? I want to ask about Vet Tech without Scrubs. So you kind of talked about that being your creative outlet, you know, during this time and kind of what you do with it. But like, what has it evolved into? Like when you kind of started that, did you see it becoming this thing where you were, you know, going to be doing everything you're doing with it now? Like, kind of describe what it all looks like. And for, for maybe our followers that aren't familiar with it, what all do you do with it?
2: Sure. I, I'm definitely not some Insta celebrity. or <laughs> <laughs> That's not my goal. I know uh, there are plenty of Vet tech celebrities out there who spend way more time and have a focus for social media. For me, it's more of an afterthought, I guess, something to keep my, not only my name out there from a conference and a writing perspective, but also a marketing assistance for whatever company I'm working for, right? Mm. Saying, here's what I'm doing, here's what we have. Um, so there's a marketing degree to it there, adver- advertising. But I, like to have something where I can refer people to to remind them that it's not just clinical vet techs out there. What other options do we have? Is it fun? Is it just sitting in front of a computer? Well, sometimes it is. That's what I'm doing now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Other times there's very fun, exciting things. And I I joke sometimes that I'm a a vet tech student party planner, you know, giving presentations and planning events for them and talking about our, our Profession and my career, but it's more just a highlight reel, I guess, of my my job and maybe anything pet or animal related that I interact with on a daily basis. So I can't really say there's a lot of thought that goes <laughs> into it. From time to time, maybe there's a, a high point or something I, I sure. I'm really passionate about a topic.
0: What what's been the feedback from that? Like I know I know you've got a pretty big social media presence with with this. Um, But like, have you gotten a lot of feedback from people that follow you about you inspired me to do XYZ?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't get a lot of, I guess, real time comments and and likes and what have you. But when I go to conferences, or I visit students in their classrooms, it is more often than not, I'm getting somebody who comes up to me afterwards. So I've been following you on Facebook yeah. for so many we, we years or Instagram, yeah. you, you know, and I'm like, where are you? You're really quite online. I feel yeah. like I've not existed <laughs> there, but apparently it's just the the new silent generation. I know that was like our grandparents, but <laughs> 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 you know, they want it now, but they're not going to say anything about it. Right, so, right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, teachers too, they'll say, oh yeah, I follow you. So they oftentimes don't realize it's, it's me, I'm the same person, there's that <laughs> disconnect. But um, they do tell me how interesting it is and I've often heard from people That it is nice to hear and see that there's life after clinics, as I say. So like we touched on initially reminding people that you can be happy and successful and inspiring perhaps to other veterinary professionals without wearing scrubs and working in a clinical capacity. We need more of the scrub wearing clinical vet techs, by all means but if you're at the point in your career your life where you need a change for whatever reason I hope you stay in vet med and that's really the intent of my my social media and I'm happy to tell you my story about that you know so connect yeah. with me basically is is really what it's all about
0: yeah that's kind of similar to kind of what what Jeff and I started was was that we were unhappy in clinics we were unhappy with clinical work and realizing that there are other things out there so you you're kind of uh, inspiring people people to to know that there are things that you can do that that don't involve working in the clinic, which I, I think, and and for me, struggling with the fact that does that make me less of a tech? Um, am I still a tech? And talking to people like you and 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 Jeff, who's doing ASPCA work, you know, he's still a tech. You're still a tech. I'm still a tech. Um, doesn't make us any less of a tech because we're not wearing scrubs and going to a a hospital every day.
2: Yeah. And I think that's important for the public to see too. And obviously we need to educate our own industry first, but having people realize that it's not just a clinical role, just like human doctors and nurses or any profession for that matter, there's always someone behind the scenes doing something.
1: Yeah. And truly, I think too, like if you think about like uh, and I'll use veg as, as an example, just like as a corporate model, Like, it can't just be finance people or business people that are in the upper levels of, of administration. There has to be veterinarians. There has to be veterinary technicians in there to provide that voice of, of what's needed. And they're not clinical, but they, they still need to have a, a role where they've come from clinical medicine, but they're just not clinical anymore, but now they're more involved in setting policy or procedure or, you know, as opposed to just MBAs from whatever university that that have no veterinary experience like that. Exactly. There has to be. And I feel like that's one of those things like you alluded to earlier, kind of being maybe, you know, right on the edge of certain changes or whatever. I feel like that's maybe one that's really just starting to come to be because, it's still such a new facet to veterinary medicine, but I, I, I hope in the not too distant future, both we on the technician side and veterinarians are more involved in that more business-like process because that's like all, all the things that we talk about that we want to see, like that's where it's going to have to come from. That, that We can't expect MBAs and finance people to know or think of those things.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. I start seeing more job opportunities, career opportunities for veterinary yeah. technicians. Yeah, yeah. I share, I have a, an interest group, I guess, on Facebook, Association of Industry Vet Techs, and I share any career options I find just to let people know, look at all these options you yeah. have. Mm-hmm. And more and more, I'm hearing and seeing that positions that were maybe not even, not necessarily advertised to, but techs weren't considered as a good candidate yeah. for these roles. Companies are saying, oh yeah, vet techs would make a great, or a good employee for that opportunity, not just vets. And a lot of us also have master's degrees. I went back and got my bachelor's in business because I, I want to be a well-rounded yeah. non-clinical yeah. vet tech. Yeah. So, so even letting the companies know that, hey, we're here, we can help you, you know, utilize us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I used to tell students that all the time was like, if if you get your credential and you compare that with an associate's, a bachelor's, or if you want to go even higher education, like you will be unstoppable in this field In in doors that will be open to you or what you can do and achieve. Like it's absolutely.
2: Yeah. So that's been exciting to see that shift. And I mean, that's a big reason why I came to VEG because we have a seat at the table from a veterinary technician perspective, you know, with our chief veterinary nursing officer. And that's why I'm now comfortable Telling students about opportunities clinically, like here's a good environment for you to be in. This is what you need to ask for, look for, strive for if you want to work clinically in emergency. So even though that didn't work out for me, hopefully there's a better opportunity for them. Or look at all these new options outside of clinical work, which didn't exist ten years ago. Teletriage, poison hotlines, you know what you name it. You've seen them
1: too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, and and there's also like. We've we've seen that here and there of like technicians getting getting roles that we w- wouldn't expect technicians to get, and and I, I hope moving forward that when we see that, like in two, three, four, five years, it's not like a oh wow that's interesting that that a technician got that job. I want that to be the norm. I want that to be something that we're not surprised by, um, because we we can do those roles. Obviously, you're doing that role, so it, it's something that we definitely can do. Um and I just wanted to be more normal than to be an outlier, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, yep. I think respect has always been something that our industry has yeah. struggled with <laughs> getting uh and that's the whole reason I pursued my v t s yes, I wanted to get a i wanted to advance myself professionally of course, I was interested in exotics, but I saw that as the only career option, and also the only way to garner more respect from my colleagues, veterinarians yeah. and technicians because ultimately we struggle with getting that same level of acknowledgement or value so sometimes having those additional credentials will improve that and knowing now that i don't need that and i feel you know respected and have <laughs> opportunities for speaking and writing and what have you that to me is is definitely an indication that it's not the only option that technicians have
0: well and just thinking back to you know, going through that VTS process, I, I, I give a lecture on becoming a VTS. And at the end of it, I say, no matter what, pass, fail, whatever happens, you are 100% a better technician from just going through that process. You oh, learn definitely. so much stuff. You advance your skills. Like failing is not is, is not a, a failure um, because you've learned something and you have improved yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely a better.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you feel that too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I just didn't have the opportunity with who I was working with and where I was working to have those specialty cases. I would have had to move to get my VTS and exotics, basically, is what it boiled down to. So that's okay. At the end of the day, I I still got to that (laughs) point in my profession I wanted to be at, and I I didn't have to take that route.
0: So let's talk about your role with Veg and as the veterinary nursing program manager. What does that look like? Um, What have you What have you made that uh, that role become?
2: Sure. So for what a nursing program is, we're talking about the veterinary nursing or veterinary technology school programs. So it's encompassing anything having to do with the campuses, the schools and the teachers. So when I joined VEG just over two years ago, I created and launched their vet tech, vet nurse student externship program. At the time, we only had 26 hospitals. We now have 60 plus, 63, I think today. And depending on when people will hear this, it'll just continue to grow. (laughs) Um, I think we have 30 more coming next year. So that role has definitely stretched me learning how to scale things and decentralize and communicate with that many thousands of people. but I also saw the need for ensuring that we're mentoring these students properly. So starting to provide resources for them through the the Vet Tech Extern Student Mentorship Program, and then also the whole campus outreach side of things. So I manage the relationships, basically build them with all of the vet tech schools across the country, and coordinate events, sponsorship opportunities. I'm oftentimes the one giving presentations when our frontliners are not giving them themselves, and really just doing all the the background logistics, everything from budget to Figuring out where we should be and what we're giving these students, what we're presenting on, and, and ensuring OKRs and measures of success, you know, and all the business side of things is happening too. So, really managing all of those programs, which is a lot since there's what, like 250 schools of AVMA accredited vet tech programs. And I not know there was that many. Over, yeah. yeah, I'm rounding up. There's probably like 243 still, or something. Still, like, <laughs> still, like, yeah. It's Canada, US and Puerto Rico, yeah.
0: Oh okay, okay. And are are you Still. are you the 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 I guess national um nursing program manager or are you more regional? I am the You're the <laughs> <laughs> okay <program>
2: manager. <laughs> so yes to all of the You're the, not
0: uh, you're the. <laughs> I am
2: the. There are no others. So um I am we look, I'll say this we want to make sure that we are providing all of the best resources financially, you know, total compensation package benefits to our frontliners, our clinical vet techs, our clinical teams. In order to do that, we don't want corporate, right? I'm in the corporate lump of that to spend anything unnecessarily. So I try very hard to stay scrappy, as we say at VEG. And if that means I can find a way to do this as the the person for all of the company. Great. So I utilize our frontline teams, our veterinary technicians or credential vet techs, which we call veterinary nurses at veg in a capacity that they're excited about. They get to be nurse campus partners and go to these schools. So I then provide them with the resources. I kind of, I'm trying to create, I'll say mini-me's <laughs> with our, <laughs> some of our nursing managers and some of our markets too, to again, decentralize and then give them the resources and support them from a logistical background sense. And then they get to be the boots on the ground, the local presence representing veg. And I'm kind of overseeing those markets now. So that's begun in the last few months. But that way we don't have to spend unnecessary money on these campus recruitment efforts and we can continue to, you know, offer our our veggies, high compensation and and what have you, because we're not spending money elsewhere, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, We are about halfway. So why don't we take our little break here? Uh, We'll pay some bills and we'll be back right after the break.
1: The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. Caffeinators at the Vet Tech Cafe, you know we like to focus on mental health. If you're struggling with depression, burnout, compassion fatigue, or any of the other mental health challenges we discuss on our podcast, getting professional help is a great first step. We all need help
0: with things like learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries, which empowers you to be the best version of
1: yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major mental health challenges. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Dave, I've used BetterHelp. Um, I had really good success with it. I really liked that it was entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. You
0: can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses.
1: Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. They really make it easy for you to get the help you need. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash VetTechCafe it's time to invest in yourself. Be well, caffeinators.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. You can leave your uh, gift request to uh, Grandpa Bacchus. And <laughs> uh, those of you that want coal in your stocking, come see uh, Grinch Cow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, Adrian, we like to come out of our break asking our, our guests how they deal with their own mental health. Uh, I imagine someone that is traveling as much as you are. Uh, I, I've done I've done a lot of traveling this year, not nearly as much as you do. And sometimes I get to the point where I'm like, ah, I need a break. Um, so how <laughs> do you manage how do you manage your own mental health?
2: That's a great question and it's multifaceted. So, <laughs> of course, there's the therapy route. I've utilized talk space. And, you know, when we're just looking at things, it's not just work life, right? There's always home life too. Mm-hmm. Not that anything's terrible in my home life, but there's always challenges just for anyone's personal life. So, that's beneficial having those talk sessions. Aside from that, I have a priority to have an outlet outside of vet med and for me that is curling so nice. not not my hair not in the gym not <laughs> curling weights curling on the ice on for the those ice. Yeah. listening who are not familiar with the the winter sports an olympic sport so i curl at our local curling club right now i'm on three leagues a week so i'm up at the curling club regularly and i am on the ice at least three times a week. But what that means is I have to shut my brain off from all work related things. I'm not checking yeah. my phone and my emails. Mm-hmm. And for, for my brain, at least that has to be forced. <laughs> there yeah. has to
0: be... Uh, I hear you. I hear yeah. you. Know, yeah. yeah.
2: If I'm home, I often tell my husband, like, let's go out to dinner because if I'm home and we're eating dinner, I'm going to be checking my computer or my mm-hmm. phone yeah, or that's whatever. A good point. But if, if I'm out of my house, especially working from home now, then I'm I, I can't shut myself off basically. Yeah. And I love what I do. I'm definitely like an 80-20 when it comes to work-life harmony, work-life balance, and that's okay. But yeah, curling for me has been my my mental... Kind of outlet because you have to really focus on the strategy of the game and be in the moment there, or you're going to fall or mess up a shot or what have you. And then it's also a great social outlet. Again, working remote from home, I don't have coworkers who live nearby. No. So I have 200 plus friends from all walks of life. Some don't even have pets. Yes, you know? (laughs) So that's a really cool thing of all ages. And uh, also then physical. So it's really important to have that sort of physical yeah. aspect exercise yeah. of some sort for us to stay healthy mentally and physically. So yeah. that, that encompasses all three things. Yes. We have a bar at the club. So my beer also never gets warm on the <laughs> ice. Of course, but... of
1: course. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I love that. Uh, I don't know if you know, but when I lived in Massachusetts for a while, when I lived in new England, I was in a curling league. I was in a couple of leagues and love it. I, I absolutely loved it. And one of my coworkers there, she's um, a VTS in both ECC and internal medicine. And she was our technician of the year for AVEC in this year. Carolyn Ty got like recruited me into um into her curling league, and she aptly described it as nerds on ice. Yeah, and I, I still utilize that like any time I describe it, and I I truly miss it. I haven't found a place yet here, but I really really want to get back to it because it was so much fun. It was so That's much great.
2: fun. I'm who gonna would, guess who you were. Thought? Yeah. got broomstones, broomstones Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the curling club there. Um yeah, it, it's definitely a who would have thought and yeah. it was a joke. I did a learn to curl event with a couple of coworkers mm-hmm. at a animal hospital that I worked at in Charlotte and we just thought, you know, we're going to be Olympians. This is an easy sport. <laughs> we're going to we're going to go all the way and then yeah. you know, joke aside, we're like this is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah. 6 7 years later here I am still curling. Um That's crazy. And, Yeah. No, it's, it's great. I definitely recommend it.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, the other thing I wanted to mention too, there in in your answer, you mentioned kind of work life and it it kind of made me think of something I, when I was, when we were at IVEX a couple months ago now, I went to one of David Liss's talks and he talked about like basically abandoning the term work-life balance because there really, unfortunately is no such thing, but he referred to it as work-life integration and learning where, basically where to set boundaries where work ends and you shut that off and then you turn on life and and it was really really fascinating to to hear him kind of talk about almost like compartmentalizing things and just turn one thing off and then like you said have something out of the house that is completely distracting where you are not checking your phone or like you said going out to dinner like you're not yeah. gonna check your phone at the table right like it was it, it, it's 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 some of those little things that, that you don't think about, but if you start to add them up, they actually like can really make some, make some change. And it's, it's hard to do like Dave and I still like, we have to kind of force ourselves to take non vet days, you know, where we just, we don't do any podcast work. We don't, you know, it's normal days off for us. We just, we don't look at our phones. We don't do anything else. And it's so easy to just Reply to an email real quick, or have an idea pop in your head and text Dave. And it's like, nope, I'm not doing that today. Like, I got to write yeah. it down for tomorrow.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel that the challenge that I struggle with now that I work for Veg because we're a 24 seven hospital organization, right? I want to be that resource for our veggies and our students and our schools that I didn't have, which means they're working 24 seven. If I'm in a a position, you know, in a leadership position where I want to make sure that they feel like they're supported from corporate. I never want to get that corporate type of thing from them. You know, I I want them to be happy and thankful and and I, you know, want to work for thank you. So, but there's still a line because to be able to support them, I have to find that integration or I often use Harmony now where, we're able to to find it to work for us. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: for sure. Uh, and kind of getting back to to your role there. So um, thinking about going into these schools, I, I'm curious, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing you're talking to tech students as a kind of like a pipeline for potential future employees. And I, I, I'm curious if you have like, Not necessarily stats, but like you finding this to be a valuable thing where they where they are coming into your company. Do you guys do anything similar on the veterinarian side, like with vet schools? Because I feel like that's that's the thing is like how do we get these people to come to work for us for whoever you are? Like where do we find these people? Like I feel like hospitals everywhere are struggling to find people, and like you have to be able to pivot and not just use job ads or not just advertise on indeed or like you have to think outside the box
2: yeah definitely we do have a dvm campus team and they have multiple people on that team so maybe it's my personal goal too to show them that i can do more with <laughs> you less can do home.
1: it as one and, and, and far less schools to visit and to keep uh, track yeah. of and like
2: they do yeah yeah also, you know, we're vet techs, we're used to doing it all and figuring out how to make it right, work. So right. maybe that's just <laughs> the cross we bear. Um, but um, yes, we do have the DVM side of things and they do things similarly, but the demographic and just the way the communications work with the schools and the students are very different. So the end goal, of course, is recruitment and marketing. We want to tell people about the opportunities at Veg, why it might be a good fit for them or why maybe it's not a good fit. But then also we work heavily with GPs, referrals. So if they don't want to work in emergency on both the vet and the vet tech side, they at least know where they're sending their patients, their clients too. Um, we definitely are seeing returns. We have more interest than we have open slots for that entry level assistant or veterinary technician at veg in some hospitals our externs even have a great opportunity which externship programs are a great way to recruit green talent from the tech programs uh, or you know the vet schools for that matter give them that opportunity show them your work culture show them what makes them you you unique and want to attract them to be a team member but we give them that opportunity and the students are very used to being offered a job and people pining for them and a lot of our hospitals we're not hiring we're just giving them this opportunity because we have a very strong culture of learning we want to support the industry So that's something that's unique, but we do hire a good percentage of the externs and hear from our applicants that they heard about VEG through their school or their teacher or some sort of event like that. Yeah. So it's a lot of work for these smaller clinics to market in that manner, for sure. And I guess that's one of the advantages of of a corporation having all these different roles, unfortunately.
1: For sure. And and I want to ask about that too, because you mentioned the word culture in there. And I think amongst the veterinary community, if veg is not known for anything else, it's their workplace culture. And it's like, I'm curious, like Dave and I have talked about this both on this podcast and off air a number of times, like when you've been in veterinary medicine for a long time and you've experienced poor workplace culture and just toxicity and, and whatever else, like I'm curious for you personally, like, having experienced some of that did you struggle at all with like the buy in and like just allowing for a clean slate and just being like you know like I, i'm just i'm just going to go in eyes wide open and it is what it is or or were you like skeptical and like you know i, I
2: I, oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think anyone who comes to veg, any vet tech who comes to veg, is very skeptical. We're very jaded. A lot of us are burned out. A That's lot a of us word. have said. Yes. <laughs> a lot of us have said this is my last chance. I'm making clinical life work. Yeah, and I've had many of our veterinary nurses say that at veg to me is I was about to leave the industry, leave the profession. I decided to give veg, you know, one chance, and it was completely different. And that's, that's amazing, right? That's why we choose to work at this company that's doing something different. So that's refreshing to hear. But I was the same way I initially said, you know, no to even talking to a recruiter when my previous colleague and friend had referred me. But once I saw some of the waves they were making, you know, on social media and the industry, obviously, there's there was talk and hubbub and what have you. And I, said, <laughs> I okay, this is interesting. I, I want to hear more. But I was still skeptical. I like, This is too good to be true. Because so many of us have had such poor experiences right. and been burned or told one thing. I, I can't tell you how many times I was told one thing to expect in a new job. And it was the complete opposite. Um, just sold lies. And that's definitely not the case. So two years later, I can still say that. There's Growing pains in a new company, for sure. We're not, you know, we're just about to be ten years old. So a lot of people forget that we're still very much a startup. But the attention paid to constant improvement and that emotional intelligence of all of the team members is so important and helps to establish the, the that culture that we want. But it's up to all of us to maintain it too. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah,
1: it's an excellent point. Yeah.
0: Well, I I also think about, you know, the the financial part of it of, and and Jeff and I have talked about this a lot of, of, you know, the fact that for years and years and years, we're clamoring, like we're not being paid enough. We're not being paid right. We're not being paid what we deserve. And then we have a company that comes in that is paying us what we are are worth and what we deserve. And then somehow we're like, hmm, that seems sus. Uh, (laughs) I I I, I think back to 15, 20 years ago, there was a practice that was local to, to us and not really agreeing with the medicine. The owner was a little bit suspicious and doing some things that were a little bit questionable. And, you know, it came out that oh she's she's paying her technicians so much money. And what was the thought process? What do we all think?
1: What's wrong with it? Yeah. What's it.
0: wrong with it? She's paying that much because she has to to keep people there. Um and I think some of that mentality I, I think has mm. has stayed with us. We were like, hmm, if they're paying that much, there's probably yeah. something wrong and a reason that they have to be paying that much. Which yeah. you know, Rob Robin works for Veg. Uh that, that's how I met Adrian. Um and when she was signing on with them, I, I was one of those very skeptical people and I and I said, seems a little fishy that like well, how how is this working in this field where we are chronically underpaid um, technicians and doctors, chronically underpaid, and, and how is that going to work? Uh, and I, I'll 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 say this publicly now: like my thought process kind of switched, and I was like, well, if they're going to pay that much, if it falls apart, she's made a b- bunch of money; she can go back to doing what she's doing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and she's still there, and she still loves it. Um, she says, "I have never worked harder at a job, but I ne- I've never loved it more." Um, Same. And- I mean, that's, that's what I hear across the board with people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I support everything that you guys are doing and, and yeah. my, 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 my suspect, my, my suspicious level is still there somewhat. Um, but I, I've yet to be proven otherwise. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy for, for what, what Vetch has done in this, in this community uh, for nothing more than just paying technicians what they're worth. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and it's not just about the money, though. We know so oh, it has yeah. to do right. with that that value and respect, and that's you know coming back to the culture and listening to the team members on yeah. what benefits do you want. So we added paid pet bereavement leave, yeah. you know, for three days. Things that just outside of the box. What yeah. do our veggies want? What do we need in this community? And being able to adapt. So we're constantly changing and evolving, especially as we grow so rapidly. And we're not perfect. Right. We're making right. mistakes. We're going to make oh, more yeah. mistakes for sure. But it's it's just like like anything, bad service at a restaurant. Well, how does the manager respond to that? That's really what matters then, Yeah. is yeah. how do you own up to that mistake and, and make it better going forward? And I I think that's what we're all trying to do. We all have that same mission, especially those of us at headquarters or veg quarters, VQ, that are <laughs> from the industry. <laughs> we wanna you know we're very passionate about making sure it's better for that next generation. So yeah. I hear that. It was it was definitely Suspicious, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. That,
2: is it going to last too? Are right, we going right, right. to afford this as a company? Right, right.
1: It, it, you know, and, and I know there's been discussion about that too. And, and like, kind of like Dave was alluding to, you know, if not, like, well, you probably like as a technician working there, you probably still had a couple of great years. Like you were taken care of better than you probably ever have been <laughs> in this field. Um, and, and like you were just saying that the paid pet bereavement leave, like that is a benefit that, for the most part, costs any practice close to zero dollars because like you know you don't have that many em- employees year after year hopefully that are losing pets that are going to take that time but just to offer it like it it, it's such a low cost high reward benefit and like truly any practice owner out there can offer that you yeah. right. just have to put it in place right and, 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 there's so much more of that out there too. I could talk about that like all day, but we'll, we'll get back to more of the important stuff. Dave, they, they bail me out here. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, well, we can. We'll we'll pivot away from veg for a little bit, <laughs> and and we'll talk about the South Carolina uh, Association of Vet Techs. Um, been up to some amazing things lately. I know recently I was working with a clinic in uh, South Carolina where we had to rewrite some of their job descriptions because there there's starting to be some. Uh, role delineation in the uh, scope of practice. So talk, talk about your, your, your tech association, brag on us, brag to us for a little bit.
2: I feel like we're small, but we're mighty. We are all yeah. <laughs> very stretched thin. We're all very busy individuals working in the industry in various roles, non-clinical and clinical, which is really cool to see. You know, we've got yeah. zoo and food sales and anesthesia repair and clinical. It's, so it's really cool to have that diverse population, yeah. even though we yeah. are just a handful of, or two of, of texts in the state. But we had the opportunity to have discussions with the Veterinary Medical Board. In South Carolina, gosh, I think it was later last year or yeah, late last year, excuse me. And that opened up the discussion to design a regulations committee. And I was on that regulations committee and they were some pretty emotional heated meetings on Zoom with Veterinary medical board members, various vet techs, most of us from you know SCABT from the the tech association, and a couple other I think members at large, so to speak, or members in the community, and a lot of us had very differing views, differing agendas, and being able to at least talk through things and have some sort of positive movement then for the industry. At the end of the day, once the notes from the committee were brought to the medical board was, was good. It wasn't what we wanted. Obviously we, you never get everything you want. It's politics. Sometimes you, you take what you get there and it's it's a mixed bag, but we did get that full title protection that we wanted. It was not In my opinion and experience, I don't think it was on the agenda of the veterinarians and the veterinary medical board, but they understood the reasoning behind it and didn't have an argument against it. So they were okay with it. And that's where we Mm -hmm. got to add in all that extra terminology to really define and delineate between a veterinary technician and an assistant or an aide, depending on if you're reading our practice act or our regulations, there's still some (laughs) confusion between that. There's still work to do. But yeah, that that gave us an opportunity to at least start addressing some of these things and kind of like moving into the next um, millennia. I feel like things are so outdated. Yeah, yeah. So that was nice. There's still frustrations and things that need to be done. And yes, the scope of practice also to touch on that, we started to be able to discuss more advanced procedures or really dial into what these different tasks entail, who the veterinarians feel comfortable allowing to do these things. And it was very surprising. Some of the things that some of the members on this committee said, and their very strong feelings and opinions as well. Um, Dave, you said it, you know, like the, the old white man mentality, maybe I thought that was pretty much the case, too. no offense, yeah. you know I'm married to an older white yeah. man too, yeah yeah, <laughs> but uh it wasn't just those individuals, those veterinarians, so it's it's interesting, and again, not stereotyping is always what you should try to do, but there's still a lot of education that needs to be had and comfort level and trust that need to be gained with the veterinarians and the technicians. And I think this is the first step in that. And they did expand that scope of practice for decreasing the level of supervision more than anything for the technicians and perhaps expanding it on some things for the assistants. And then of course, the title protection. So those were the, the biggest takeaways from kind of this round of changes, but we, we hopefully will have opportunities to do more in the future.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was going to ask about the, like, what I think, and I think you were kind of alluding to it, like the veterinarian response, like, you know, how some of that went, because I still am on the, the California RVT Association board, and you talked about the diversity of your board, which I, I think is really, really important to just, like, essentially lead your association by example of, like, all the different roles you can have, right? Like, I think we have, uh, I'm ECC, we have a VTS in surgery and a VTS in lab animal medicine. We have one or two in education, like same thing, like, you know, kind of a good, um, like cross-section, I think, of, of the industry and different things you can do. But like, we, I, I feel like we we always say this, we need the veterinarians to help move our profession forward, unfortunately, because of of lack of, you know, we're still under their umbrella, unfortunately, yeah. but like when we have some of these discussions, it's just like, I feel like in some ways we need to be having these discussions with new veterinary grads, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and not people that have been DVMs for 40 years. Like, yeah. because it's just. Oh,
2: so it's interesting. You mentioned that because one of the things we just started doing was having some of these joint events with the DVM students and the nursing students. So we gave a cases night presentation at veg for an event, um, not to bring things back to veg, don't worry, but we you, you know, had a one of our nursing managers, an LVMT in Tennessee, who gave a presentation alongside a DVM on a blocked cat and talked about whose role is doing what to really educate these students who are about to go out into the world, these DVM students, and this is how you utilize and work with your veterinary technicians, because they don't get that that opportunity or that education, at least not in my experience. So, um, I, I'm definitely passionate about that as well as really ensuring that we're seen as a vital healthcare team member. But how do we educate all these vet students and get them comfortable? Because sometimes it's not their fault, in my opinion, that they don't know what we can legally do, especially since every state is different. And that that's not the case for the DVMs. So, it's a lot of work on our part to try to educate the vets on what we can do so that they're comfortable in allowing us to do it. And at least differentiating titles is step one, at least I think.
0: Yeah. And I I think the, we've talked about this many times is that um, there, there needs to be a, a way to have tech schools and vet schools in the same building and having them learning alongside of each other because they're also going to learn what the other person's role is so that, that, Speaking more from the veterinary side that they need to know what our role is as technicians uh, moving forward so that they know how to how to how to utilize us in the future. And, you know, we we Robin and I talk about this a lot of, of taking the, the tech skills out of vet school. However, there are going to be vets that get out, get out into practice that don't have even RVTs or LVTs, CVTs in their area. To, they don't even have an opportunity to hire them. Um, so there is going to be that crossover, I think, uh, un, until we get to the point where there are enough technicians that every clinic can have at least one RVT, one CVT, LVT, what have you. Um, but I, I think it's at some point, we need to start integrating those things together so that they learn together and understand how each other works.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that's one avenue to pursue. That's a lot getting vet schools to have a whole new program, and you these, know, there's these, a few. Yeah, these
0: are these are big thoughts, big right? <laughs> oh,
2: and I'm I'm here for those big shots, yeah. big thoughts for sure. But something that it, we are running into right now is exactly what you said: is we don't have in South Carolina, for example, the LVTs to be able to limit the scope of practice to just LVTs, which is right. why we kind of had to give a little and say, we can't restrict these things to LVTs because in the real world, let's be honest, not every hospital even employs one LVT in right. South Carolina. So until that day comes, we have to you know, take the good with the bad there and help us set up. But getting title protection hopefully will encourage more of those who are eligible to get credentialed to get credentialed or Mm -hmm. give someone a reason to even go to tech school because you can't have that you can't call yourself a tech unless you've gone to school in South Carolina so again very baby step one Mm -hmm. to ultimately get us to that point so that we can then limit the scope of practice and all those other things we would like so oh yeah there's there's so many different things we can do. Yeah, getting more tech students by reaching out to <laughs> high schools. I can go on and on on that topic. This alone. could be a,
0: this could be a whole other. I know. Hour <laughs> Yeah. <long laughs> yeah no, it's it's great though. Like, <laughs> is there anything that we haven't? We're we're getting towards our hour here. Is there anything that we haven't brought up that you wanted to to get out to our listeners to our caffeinators?
2: Oh it's always a good question. I, you know, friend of mine for me is always valuing each other and respecting each other. I'm big on emotional intelligence. I didn't touch on, you know, all the the books I read and the other research and studying I've done for my own mental health on yeah. that regard. But I think it's so important for our industry to remember that we all need to be the tech we wish we had when we were growing up. That sounds so cliche, but, yeah, but it's,
0: so, <laughs> it's, so, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah.
2: And also keep ourselves in check. Sometimes we need to reflect and think, am I the toxic person? Am I doing Mm -hmm. something that I would think negatively of if I was on the other side? And how can we continually grow? We're often talking about continuing education, CE, from clearly or or, uh, simply a clinical veterinary type of mindset. But like, you said at IVEX, you attended a lecture by David Liss, and I went to many of his lectures there as well. And we need to expand our own emotional intelligence and work on ourselves and continue education mentally as well, you know, for our own brain health, and just be better communicators, better colleagues, better people. And that's really what is going to improve this industry. Because We, a lot of us get into it because we say we don't like people or we (laughs) don't, we're not good communicators. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. right. But we work with people even more. So we have to remember that communication and that emotional intelligence and mental health is such a huge part of who we are. And and that takes work on us. We can't just put that on someone else to do.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, you were recommended to us by a few of our previous guests. So turning the tables now, who would you recommend? be put in your seat, or who would you recommend be on our show, or a a topic, or something that you would like to hear about?
2: I don't know if she wants me to recommend her, so we'll see, but I would love to hear what Melissa Best has to say about our industry. Melissa Best is an RVT and an RN. She was actually a classmate of mine, back in tech school many moons ago. And we have reconnected because she's now the program director at Kent State Trumbull's vet tech program. Mm. And she has done excellent things for that program, 100% percent BTE pass rate for her students. And wow. she's very passionate about the industry, but I love her perspective. And I would love to hear more since she is also an RN and, you know, has all sorts of accolades there, yeah. but also an RVT. And she really has a good understanding of both sides of that. And again, we're often comparing things to human medicine. Sure. Is that better? Is this better? What are they doing? So I, I think her perspective is is great. So I think she would be a great guy.
1: Interesting.
0: We, we did have one. It was a friend of yours, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. It was like
1: yeah, she's, she's a RN now and she was an RBT and actually she still is too. She maintains her credential, but it was like right as COVID was starting. So yeah, we, we talked were doing about that, right that in the
3: middle but, of COVID. but then
1: also kind of like comparing the two fields. It was fascinating.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. having Melissa's insight into the educational realm, yeah. too, being a program director, is it's yeah. cool talking to her. So, yeah, anyway, there's a lot maybe. to talk
1: about there. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. That's... Let us
0: know if she wants yeah. us to contact her. And we would, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's somebody we definitely want to be having on, having on our show. Yeah, for All sure. Right. All right. And now we are down to your would you rather question. Are you ready for it?
2: Oh, yes.
0: All right. You've got option <laughs> one, two, or three. You just tell me what number you want, and I'll read you the question
2: three
0: three
1: couple threes in a row a couple threes
0: in a row uh would you rather only be able to eat cold soup or hot cereal with milk
2: oh my cold soup or hot cereal with milk um
0: and i'm not gonna let you let you (laughs) call oatmeal cereal that doesn't count
2: (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'll go with Cold soup, because I don't think I've had hot cereal with milk. So I,
0: I think the warming of the milk, I think, would be yeah, too much for me. Like, but I, I typically, I, I, this is going to sound stupid. I eat cereal about a handful. I don't eat it in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's not stupid, but I was not um, prepared for that type of question. So,
1: (laughs) good. That's the whole point. It's just to have a little. (laughs) That's the reason we don't give them to you. Yeah, it's just to have a little fun before we close out. So, uh, thank you very much for taking some time out to chat with us today. We really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure we'll probably see you out on the road somewhere in 2024. But it sounds like you're home through the holidays at least. So glad to see you're off the road for a little while spend some time at home. So thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll hope to catch up with you sometime in 2024, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking some time for us today.
2: Thanks for having me guys. It's great chatting.
1: Yeah. All right. Caffeinators, you guys be well, have a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. um, And we will talk to you again soon. Bye guys. Hello. Caffeinators. We wanted to thank dog days consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the vet tech cafe. They don't just do social media, they can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years' experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators! We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts or those opinions expressed by our guests are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vettech Cafe, have yourself a great day.